0: Well, good morning, everyone. It's good that you're here. It's good that we are here together. And it's probably a good thing that we don't all have to sit with parkas in the park. (laughs) So let's enjoy this morning together. Uh, I'm going to start by reading Psalm 24. Uh, So let's read that. The earth is the Lord's and the fullness thereof, the world and those who dwell in it. For he has founded it upon the seas and established it upon the rivers. Who shall ascend the hill of the Lord? Who shall stand in his holy place? He who has clean hands and a pure heart. He be like a child. He who has clean hands and a pure heart who does not lift up his soul to what is false and does not swear deceitfully. He will receive blessing from the Lord and righteousness from the God of his salvation. Such is the generation of those who seek him, who seek the face of the God of Jacob. Lift up your heads, O gates, and be lifted up, O ancient doors, that the king of glory may come in. Who is this king of glory? The Lord, strong and mighty, the Lord mighty in battle, lift up your heads, O gates, lift them up, O ancient doors, that the King of glory may come in. Who is this King of glory? The Lord of hosts. He is the King of glory. Let's bow our heads and worship him together this morning. Our Father in heaven, we thank you that you have introduced yourself to us as the King of glory. We thank you that you have made known to us that you are the one to whom we bend the knee. And so, Father, we do that this morning. Together, as a body, we acknowledge that you are Lord. Lord over all that is seen and unseen. And we, com- and we commit ourselves to you and we submit ourselves to you to be obedient and to walk in your ways. Father, as we uh, worship you this morning, together in this hour, I pray that your name would be lifted up, that your people would be encouraged, and that the lost might hear this message and be saved. In Jesus' name, amen. Let's have some singing.
1: Good morning, everyone. Let's see if I still know how to do this after a lengthy absence. But anyway, let's take a bulletin. The first song we're going to sing is on page five. The Lord is King of praise His name. Continue on page six, O Worship the Lord. Time to be holy. Good morning, everyone. Good morning. Holidays. Do you like holidays? Yeah. I do. Summer holidays are coming up. But you know what? Uh, holidays are for rejoicing, for resting, for being built up again. And you know, God wanted us to have holidays. And you know where holiday comes from? It comes from holy day. When God created the world, he created for six days, and on the seventh day, he rested, and he called it holy. And he wanted the people that he created to have a day where they could rest and be restored physically, but also spiritually. It was a day to be holy. But it was not only that one day, he also created other, other holidays. When we read in the Old Testament, there was the Passover feast, there was the feast of first fruits, where people were supposed to bring the first fruit of their harvest to the Lord, and then 50 days later, they were supposed to bring the Thanksgiving for the harvest. And today is Pentecost. Pentecost means 50. It's the 50th day after the first fruit. So, that was a big gathering day for the people. So,
2: there were other holidays too. Can you remember some holidays that we celebrate? Christmas, yes. Canada Day we celebrate, yes.
1: We, Easter. Good. Thanksgiving. Thanksgiving, yes. You know, in, the, in our church we celebrate Christmas. Then we celebrate Epiphany, which is when strange kings from far away came to worship Jesus. We have... Friday, where Jesus suffered and died for our sins so that we could be forgiven. Then we have Easter, the wonderful day when Jesus arose from the dead again, is alive. Then we have Ascension Day. That happened 10 days ago, where Jesus went up to heaven. And then is Pentecost, and that's today. That is 50 days after Jesus rose from the dead. You see, Jesus was the first fruit. Now, on Pentecost, the disciples, like Peter and the other eleven, they were all gathered in a place because Jesus had told them, just before he went up to heaven, he told them, go to Jerusalem and wait there. I will send you the gift from heaven. So that's what the disciples did. They went back to Jerusalem. And they were gathered every day to pray and worship God and to encourage each other and waiting. Waiting is not so easy, is it? So they did not know how long they would have to wait. But after 10 days, something happened. While they were gathered in a certain place, all of a sudden there was a rushing from heaven as a mighty wind. They heard it. Other people heard it. And tongues of fire came upon each of the disciples and then they had the power to speak they talked about all that Jesus had done and you know what this rushing of the wind and something that happened it it attracted many people you know this was the Pentecost the harvest festival and a lot of people from a a lot of places had come to Jerusalem When we read Acts chapter 2, it talks about countries. It mentions 16 different regions or countries. And Jerusalem is there. This is only a small map. But when we read all the names that are given there, they are from there to they reach to India, and here Egypt, and Libya, and Rome, and this. That is a lot of people represented in Jerusalem that day. It was a wonderful opportunity. It's wonderful how God creates that. So when this rushing of wind happened, uh, that was God sending the Holy Spirit to the disciples, you know? And now all the fear that they had had before was gone. And they remembered everything that Jesus had done and taught them. And they started talking about it and talking. And the people from all these different countries and different languages, they listened. They looked at each other and said, how is this? You're from a different country. You speak a different language. And we all can understand what they're saying. That was the miracle that... God the Father made that day so that everybody could could understand what the life of Jesus meant. And Peter said, you think that we are crazy or that we have drunk too much wine or so? But he said, it's not true. This is the Holy Spirit. God is opening your hearts that you can understand what Jesus did. So what was done was not right in a, that Jesus had to die. It was cruel the way you did it, but it was God's will. And now we need to repent of all the sins that we have done so that Jesus can save us. And as the people listened, they just it cut to their heart. And they said, what should we do? And Peter said, repent and be baptized and become Jesus' child. And the people did. You know what? About 3,000 people came to believe in Jesus and repent from their sins and be baptized that day. And now just think of it. All those regions were presented there. They had relatives at home and friends. Now they they had the good news. They had accepted Jesus as their Savior. They could go home or send messages to the countries where they came from. And a lot of people got to know the salvation. That's how wonderful the Lord works and how God the Father loves us and helps us. So, we talked about a holy day. Every day is made by the Lord. And so is this day, this Pentecost Day. So, I thought a good verse to memorize would be, This is the day the Lord has made. We will rejoice and be glad in it. Psalm 118, verse 24. Could we read it together? This is the day the Lord has made. We will rejoice and be glad in it. Psalm 118, verse 24. Let's pray. Father in heaven, we're so thankful that you sent the Holy Spirit, that the disciples who had been so afraid before were not afraid anymore, and that through their preaching, we got to hear the gospel. Thank you. Now give us this joy, this freedom to share what we know about you, to share your salvation with those that we get together with. Bless us. In Jesus' name,
2: Amen.
0: Thank you, Anna, for that story. good to be re- reconnected with the events of Acts, and we're going to he- be hearing more about it, it looks like. Um, let's take a, open our bulletins and look at a few announcements. First of all, uh, right at the top of the second page there, it says next Sunday, 10.30 a.m. with uh, Pastor Victor Engbrecht. I think those are both not true. <laughs> we're, we're starting service at regular time next week, is that right? Can anyone affirm that? Yes. Are we starting at 9.15 next week? Okay, so that on top there, uh, don't look, look at the 10.30. We're going to be back at, at 9.15 in our sanctuary, and uh, Pembina Valley Bible Camp is going to be presenting here next week, and they'll be uh, bringing us the Sunday morning service. So don't miss that. And then, since we're on that theme, uh, if you go down to the bottom of the third page, you'll see that the, we're having a f- uh, church family potluck on the 26th. So uh, on that Sunday, we will be back in here, and we'll have our service here at 10 a.m., and then with a potluck to follow. Is that clear? Good. <laughs> and a few. Forget, then phone or ask someone. Okay, our uh, missionaries of the week are Preston and Myra Wheeler. Let's pray for them as uh, he ministers in the Leader Impact Ministry, connecting with uh, leaders from all over, the, all over the world, in fact. Uh, the COVID uh, opened up many doors for them as far as being able to connect with people. And then we've also got another missionary in here, and that's Jessica Siemens. And so let's remember all these missionaries uh, this week in our prayers. Uh, Some uh, servants are needed. If you're looking for something to do, or even if you're not, consider doing something. Because we need delegates for Salem. We need volunteers at MCC. We need uh, helpers for the vacation Bible study, uh, b- sorry, Bible school that we're uh, VBS that we're having beginning of August. Uh, helpers are needed for that, and then uh, also the ministerial is asking for helpers, uh, helpers to uh, help with the visiting. And I think, uh, you know, when 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 somebody gets off the pulpit here for long enough, the thing that happens is we all start visiting, right? So you're all good at visiting. So, so don't be afraid to say, yeah, I'll go we'll visit someone and visit. Just have some fellowship there. Encourage one another. Um, another thing about, uh, that Jessica has brought to us here is that she is offering to uh, put us on the newsletter uh, list for, for a, an email every few months from one of their staff about what's going on at Pembina Valley. That way you can stay informed and you know what to pray for. And moving also to uh, people who uh, with health needs. Uh, Terp Thiessen is still at Boundary Trails and uh, awaiting placement at Salem. Uh, just talking with Hank Lawson this morning. Uh, Carol, as, as you know, has uh, had, a, had a diagnosis of bone cancer. We read that at one point. Um, since then, she uh, has was at Boundary, and then to St. Boniface, and now she's back at home. Uh, things are still up in the air as to uh, what, what, what needs to happen for, for her care. So uh, pray for Carol and for Hank as, and their family as they work through this. The waiting, the waiting time is brutal because your mind always goes to worst-case scenarios, so lift them up in your prayers. And then I got a call from uh, Mary Schrader uh, yesterday, that uh, she and lawrence both have covid and uh, she found it difficult to care for him so he is now at boundary trails with covid and she's at home with covid she said it's it's not too serious so that part is good and uh anyway just so you know and can pray for them and then a next sunday is a memorial service for john julius dick John Dick, husband to Betty, passed away on Saturday, December 4, 2021, and a memorial service to celebrate his life will be held on Sunday, June 12, at 2 p.m. at the Miami Community Center in Miami. You're all welcome to attend. How are we doing, uh, oh, the, the ushers are here, okay, all right. Why don't we just uh, pause for a word of prayer. Our heads. Our Father in heaven, thank you so much that you love us and that you care about your people, but that you also care that your word goes out. That you care that the lost peoples of this world hear the message and the good news of the gospel. And we thank you, Father, for the work that is happening through Preston and Myra, through Dawn and Shara, through Jessica Siemens. And we pray, Father, that uh, as these people reach out, that you would bless the work of their minds, the work of their hands, and, and the and the lips, uh, and their lips as they speak the truth of the gospel to people. We pray that your word would go forth and not return to you empty. And so we thank you, Father, for those who go out in your name. Father, we also look at the needs that are within our own church, and there are a need for workers. And so I pray that you would um, stir us up to love and good deeds, and that we would stir each other up to love and good deeds, and that we would encourage each other to get involved in in all these ministries, um, delegates for Salem, workers at MCC, at VBS, and uh, of course helpers for the ministerial. Father, thank you uh, that we have so many people here. We we thank you that we. Uh, even though some of us feel like we are old and we can't do much, uh, we know that we can still do something, and that you would uh, that you strengthen those, strengthen us for the tasks that you give to us. Father, we also want to remember this morning those who are suffering. We think of uh, Terp Thiessen, Carol Clawson, um, Lawrence, and Mary. Father, you know the needs and. You're the one who made us. You know how our bodies work. And we pray that you would bring restoration and healing and, and rejuvenation. We also want to remember those who walk alongside them and to serve them and care for them. That they too uh, would, uh, would be part of this healing picture. We pray, Father, that in the depths of our sufferings, that you would also cause our faith to grow cause us to consider you more carefully, more deeply, and, and, and cry out to you, and lean on you, and trust you.
2: Father, we also want to remember this
0: morning Betty Dick. Betty and her family, as they will be remembering uh, John next, next weekend, been a long time from the death from his death until till this service and for many of us that's a time of of being kind of in limbo until that day happens so i pray that you would be with betty and her family comfort them as they grieve and as all these emotions from the early days are stirred up again pray that you would comfort them that you would bless them and that you would draw them closer to yourself they really sense your presence now father as we worship continue to worship you in this hour i pray that you would give us ears to hear the gospel that is preached to us by brother dean i pray that you would help us to apply it to our lives and to be faithful in living it out and now as we give these offerings this morning i pray that you would use them for your glory May your name be lifted up and may people be added to the kingdom. In Jesus' name, amen. Kirk Thiessen is in Crystal City waiting for placement, so he's not at Boundary Trail. Thank you, Harold, for telling us.
3: Scripture this morning comes out of the Book of Acts, Chapter 2. Holy Spirit comes at Pentecost. When the day of Pentecost came, they were all together in one place. Suddenly a sound like the blowing of a violent wind came from heaven and filled the whole house where they were sitting. They saw what seemed to be tongues of fire that separated and came to rest on each of them. All of them were filled with the Holy Spirit and began to speak in other tongues as the Spirit enabled them. Now there were staying in Jerusalem God-fearing Jews from every nation under heaven. When they heard this sound, a crowd came together in bewilderment, because each one heard them speaking in his own language. Utterly amazed, they asked, are not all these men who are speaking Galileans? Then how is it that each of us hears them in his own native language? Parthians, Medes, and Elamites, residents of Mesopotamia, Judea and Cappadocia, Pontus and Asia, the reading of God's Word.
4: As we look outside, it's a beautiful day out there. We think to ourselves, it must be so nice that we can be sitting out there enjoying that nice weather. But as we would sit out there, we'd find out because it's a little chilly, it wouldn't be so comfortable. I remember when our children were in soccer, Cheryl and I first um, had opportunity to go to the games. And as we had gone to the games, we thought to ourselves, why are people bringing these blankets? Why are they bringing their, their winter coats? And we just had our little jackets on. Well, little did we know after we sat out there for a while, we were freezing to death. So it's good to have a church where we can come and fellowship together and where it is warmer. And so although it's a Sunday school picnic today, we can enjoy it indoors. This morning is Pentecost Sunday. The word Pentecost is derived from the Greek word Pentecost Day and was a festival celebrated 50 days after the Passover. The Passover is the Jewish festival celebration of God's redeeming and delivering Israel from the oppressive hand of the Egyptians. And we know the story of well how God called Moses and Moses led the children of Israel out of Egypt and up to the promised land, but he didn't take them into the promised land. In the Old Ten- Testament, Pentecost took place seven weeks after Passover. In the New Testament, Pentecost is first mentioned with the outpouring of the Holy Spirit in Acts chapter 2, verse 1, as was already read for us. Many theologians recognize this as the birth of the church, and we know this and understand it. This is when the church really came in to existence. This, of course was in perfect timing as the Jews were gathering in Jerusalem for this great celebration and then God poured out his spirit. Remember what took place before they had gathered there. They had been in the upper room praying and they were tearing, they were waiting for the Holy Spirit to come. The Holy Spirit empowered the followers of Jesus to proclaim the good news to both Jew and Gentiles that that they could receive forgiveness of sins, that their lives could be transformed if they turned their lives over to Christ. In Acts chapter 2, we learn that 3,000 believers were baptized after Peter Peter had preached the gospel of repentance. That is why many churches throughout history, Pentecost Sunday is celebrated with new converts being baptized. Another interesting fact about Pentecost Sunday is that it is also known as White Sunday. Why is it known as White Sunday? For the simple reason that many of the people who would be baptized would wear white. So, A day such as this is also known as White Sunday. This morning as we celebrate Pentecost, we want to take a closer look at what Jesus had promised his disciples when he came. He told them that he would be sending the Holy Spirit and he would not leave them. So take your bibles and turn with me to John chapter 16, John chapter 16 verses 5 through 15. We're going to be looking at those verses, but we also will be looking at verses 1 through 4 just to give the a little bit more context. So John chapter 16, if you would bow your heads with me, let's pray together. Our gracious, loving heavenly Father, as we pause before you, we give you thanks. Thanks for a wonderful day that you have given us. And especially, Lord, that this is a day we celebrate the coming of the Holy Spirit. We know that the Holy Spirit came in power. And he came to take the place of Jesus so that he could be everywhere. Heavenly Father, as we look now into your word, we pray that you'd open us to us to understand more fully the ministry of the Spirit. So I pray, Father, make our hearts Enlighten our minds, draw us to your throne. For this we pray, amen. I've entitled this morning's message, The Ministry of the Holy Spirit. The ministry of the Holy Spirit, number one, is the foundation of Jesus' leaving, verses five through seven. The ministry of the Holy Spirit is foundational on Jesus' leaving. And as I said before, before I read verses 5 through 7, I want to go over uh, the first four verses first. Starting chapter 16, verse 1, all this I have told you so that you will not go astray. They will put you out of the synagogue. In fact, the time is coming when anyone who kills you will think he is offering a service to God. They will do such things because they have not known the Father or me. I have told you this so that when the time comes, you will remember that I warned you. I did not tell you this at first because I was with you. Now we're moving on to verses 5 through 7 as we begin the message and where it will start to focus on. Now I'm going to him who sent me. Yet none of you ask me, where are you going? Because I've said these things, you are filled with grief. But I tell you the truth, it is for your good that I'm going away. Unless I go away, the counselor will not come to you. But if I go, I will send them to you. Close quote. Did you know that most people do not want to be left alone? When there's uncertainty or crisis about to happen, they don't want to be left alone. Little children don't want to be left alone, and adults don't want to be left alone. For example, in 1995, Cheryl and I went to Germany, leaving our two sons with Cheryl's parents. We remember we were only gone for two weeks, but when we returned, our little two-year-old Austin, when he saw us, he was just enamored and so happy to see us again. But he would not let us walk out of the room without him following us. He thought to himself, we are going to leave him again. We're going to leave him. The disciples spent three years with Christ. And on several occasions, Jesus told them that he would be leaving them. There is no doubt that they felt confused. They, fe- they had a sense of uncertainty about the future. They didn't know what to expect. And sometimes or, uh, and somehow when Jesus spoke these things to them, they seemed to have missed it or it went over their heads. If we look back at John chapter 16 verses 36 through 37, Simon Peter asked him, Lord, where are you going? Jesus replied, I am go, where I am going, you cannot follow me now, but you will follow later. Peter asked, Lord, why can't we follow you now? I will lay down my life for you. And then in John chapter 14, verse 5, Thomas said to him, Lord, we don't know where you're going, so how can we know the way? Now it may seem like Jesus saying that none of them have asked the question where he is going. But he is not really saying that. What he is saying is with all the instructions that have been given at this time, none of them asked the question where he is going. So if there was a time to ask questions about where he was going and what was going to happen, now was the time to ask those questions. There are is a reason why they were not asking the questions. Jesus points out in verse 6 that they were filled with grief because he had told them these things. The disciples' hearts are still quite selfish, and they are looking forward to an earthly kingdom. If Jesus left them, their dreams would come to a halt and would come crashing down. Now the question is, why is it so important that Jesus had to leave for the Holy Spirit to come? First, Jesus had to fulfill his mission, which was to die for the world's sin. Had he not died and rose again, there would be no salvation Jesus paid the penalty. God does not forgive us simply because He loves us. Did you know that? God does not forgive us simply because He loves us. Wouldn't that be nice if God could have just said, "I forgive you?" And that was all end- that, that ended everything. But Jesus had to come. God had to send His son, and somebody had to pay the price. And it was Jesus that paid the price. When we sin, when you sin, when I sin, somebody has to pay the price. And when we forgive, we pay the price. So every time you forgive somebody, you are paying the price for whatever they've done to you because that's what God did on our behalf. He paid the price. God sent his son to die, and if he didn't, it would have meant nothing. Instead, he loved us, and God carried out the punishment upon himself for our sins, and it was upon the spotless son of God, the Lamb of God. Second, to bring salvation and reign, Jesus had to die and rise again and ascend to the Father's right hand where he would be reigning. Thus his central part of the mission would be complete and now the Holy Spirit would begin to fulfill his role. So we can see for the Holy Spirit to come it was foundational that Christ had to leave the disciples by the way of his death, burial, resurrection, and ascension. This would allow the Holy Spirit to work in the hearts of millions. Now the ministry that Jesus had begun would multiply and mushroom as peoples, as, as many people's lives would be transformed by the power of the gospel." Thus, in turn, this leads us to the second part of the ministry of the Holy Spirit. The ministry of the Holy Spirit, secondly, brings conviction to the world of sin, righteousness, and judgment. The ministry of the Holy Spirit brings conviction to the world of sin, righteousness, and judgment. Verse 8 says this, when he comes, he will convict the world of guilt in regards to sin, righteousness, and judgment. In regard to sin, because men do not believe in him. In regard to righteousness, because I am going to the Father where you can see me no longer. And in regard to judgment, because the prince of this world now stands condemned. These four verses indicate the Holy Spirit will bring conviction in three areas. Sin, righteousness, and judgment. So what does it mean to bring conviction? In the judicial sense, it means bringing down an adverse verdict upon a person whether they admit to it or not. In a religious context, it means bringing a person to know and understand that they are guilty. So the first role of the Holy Spirit is to convict the world of sin, the non-believer of his sin, the world's view of sin from a whole. Or pardon me, the world view sin from a whole different vantage point as compared to what God does. Nobody wants to admit sin. We may admit to a shortcoming or failure or hide behind the argument that we are victims and that we had no choice in doing the evil deed that we had done. We may even claim temporary insanity to the crime to get off the hook. However, no matter how we view it, sin is always against God that's who it is it always involves God always always Romans 1:18 tells us very clearly the wrath of God is being revealed from heaven against all godliness and wickedness of men who suppress the truth in their wickedness man may argue that he is innocent But the moment he comes under the powerful light of the Holy Spirit, everything exposed. That is what the Holy Spirit does. He reveals and convicts the world of its sin. However, the greatest sin of all, according to verse 9, is not believing in Christ, is not putting one's faith in Christ, not trusting one's faith in Christ for their salvation. If anyone refuses to come to Jesus on his terms, there can never be any forgiveness. This is like a person who is allergic to a bee sting. When he gets stung, if he rejects the medicine or the antidote, antidote that will save him, that person will die if he rejects the medicine or the antidote. The second ministry of the Holy Spirit is that he convicts the world of righteousness. So why does the world have to be convicted of righteousness? To understand this, we have to read the rest of verse 10, which says this, because I am going to the Father where you can see me no longer. Close quote. In just a little while from now, the Jews would be putting Christ on the cross while saying that they would be doing an honorable thing. Yes, that's right. They would say this is a just, this is a right thing that we are doing. But unfortunately, their righteousness was the exact opposite of God's righteousness. That's exactly what Paul did before he became a Christian. He ran all over the place looking who he can arrest who called themselves Christians and putting them to death. And Paul said this, he was doing the right thing. He believed in all of his heart that what he was doing was right. The Holy Spirit's role is to convict the world of true righteousness and not what man believes to be righteous. Because there's two opposite things. What man believes and what God believes to be righteous. The third ministry of the Holy Spirit is that he convicts the world of judgment because the prince of this world now stands condemned. When Jesus was pronounced guilty and condemned to death, Satan was actually the one who was being condemned. When Jesus died and rose again, he took the keys of death. From Satan. Without Christ's sacrificial death, all people are sentenced to everlasting death, separation from God for all eternity. But now Satan is the one who is being condemned. It is only a matter of time before Satan is cast into the lake of fire. Satan thought that he had won the victory when he put Christ to death. He was Excited about that. Instead, it was the beginning of the end for him. A friend of mine purchased a farm from an elderly couple. He said that the lady had an immaculate garden and for the first couple of years they had just planted the garden. There was hardly a weed. He told me we would bend down maybe once in a blue moon, pick out a weed and threw it. Then they had a idea di- uh, that they needed to fertilize. And yes, of course, many of you who are farmers know what happens. They brought in a bunch of car manure, put it on the garden and he said that year was of weeds, and we never got rid of the weeds after that. And that's what happened. You know, sometimes you think what you're doing is really, really good, and it's going to turn out for the best, and it turns out for the West, for the worst. Just as Satan thought that he had defeated Christ by putting him on the cross, it was he who was being defeated, Now we come to the last part of the ministry of the Holy Spirit. Number three, brings guidance to believers and glory to Christ. Remember, it always brings glory to Christ. The last part is the ministry of the Holy Spirit brings guidance to believers and glory to Christ. Verse 12 through 15. I have much to say to you, more than you can now bear. But when he, the Spirit, comes, he will guide you into all truth. He will not speak on his own. He will speak only what he hears, and he will tell you what is yet to come. He will bring glory to me by taking from what is mine and making it known to you all that belongs to the father is mine that is why i that's why i said the spirit will take from what is mine and will make it known to you close quote according to verse 12 jesus had a lot more to say to the disciples but they were unable to handle all this information at this time if we go to the beginning of chapter 16, the f- portion of scripture where I started reading from, Jesus tells them how, they, how much they would suffer in those first four verses. They would even be put to death on account of him. This was a real shock for, the fo- for these followers because they understood that they would be ushering in the kingdom of God. And they were excited about this, yet they could not see this because their hearts were still fleshly, still carnal, still still self-centered. However, the good news was that the Holy Spirit would guide them into all truth. Now the term guiding us in truth is not that God will pick the perfect mate for you or your perfect vocation but instead you will have a full understanding of how God has revealed himself to you. Also, the Holy Spirit would not speak on his own, but that which the Father has given to him. In the same way, Jesus never did anything on his own, but always was obedient to the Father. While Jesus was here on earth, he always brought glory to the Father. If you would notice that. In the same way, the Holy Spirit would always bring glory to Christ. Once again, the Spirit will not speak on his own initiative, but only reveal the things that Jesus has said according to verses 13 and 14. We learn something fundamental about the Trinity here at this point. There is submissiveness to one another. And there is complete unity in the three in one. Each one brings glory to the other one. Each one brings glory to the other one. The promise is that the Holy Spirit will be our guide as we walk with him. We will know the truth because he is guiding us in all truth. When we are traveling in new territory, we all love a map, or better yet, to have a GPS. Isn't that nice to have GPS? Yes, it is. I remember going a few years ago, Cheryl and I went to Ontario for our son's wedding. It was in St. Catharines. We landed in Toronto. We rented a car and quickly we put on the GPS and we were on our way. We simply put in the address where we were going and it was so nice to be in a city that we never were in before other than in the airport and to have the GPS say, turn right on such and such, go for so many kilometers, then you will turn left or wherever. The Global Positioning System, GPS, is a satellite-based navigation system made up of a network of 24 satellites placed into orbit by the US Department of Defense. GPS was originally intended for military application, but in the 1980s, the government made the system available for, civil, for civilian use. GPS works in any weather condition, anywhere in the world, 24 hours a day. I wanna just say that last part again. GPS works in any weather condition anywhere in the world 24 hours a day. In the same way, the Holy Spirit guides every every believer who walks in light of the scriptures 24 hours a day. If our heart is sensitive to the Lord, we will know if we... Have taken a wrong turn because the Holy Spirit will prompt our conscience. If we feel guilty because we have said something, done something, or looked at something in the wrong way, the Holy Spirit will be there telling us it is time to change course. He is the one who will guide us into all truth. This morning we can practice these three things that we have learned from God's Word. First, We need to thank Jesus for sending the Holy Spirit when he ascended into heaven. When Jesus was in the physical form here on earth, he could only be in one place at one time. Now through the Holy Spirit, he can lead and guide every believer at the same time. We need to thank the Lord that he sent the Holy Spirit who will guide us. Second, the ministry of the Holy Spirit brings conviction to the world of sin, righteousness, and judgment. When we share the gospel with others, our part is to share the love and the transforming power of Christ. It's the Holy Spirit's job or responsibility to bring conviction. We are only there to share. God will do his part. Finally, the ministry of the Holy Spirit brings guidance to believers and glory to Christ. When Jesus ascended into heaven, he did not leave the disciples or believers today as orphans. Now the Holy Spirit is guiding every believer as they line up their hearts and conscience with the word of God. The Holy Spirit will never tell us to do anything that is contrary to the word of God. As we read our Bibles and we pray every day, the Holy Spirit will lead us into all truth and bringing glory to Jesus Christ every time. And we too, in our lives, as we walk with the Lord, the things that we do ought to bring glory to Jesus Christ.
1: Last song we want to sing is on page 8. We are called to be God's
2: people.
4: Just one announcement before we pray and have the benediction, and that is Family Life. Someone from Family Life will come and give us directions on what our next step will be. Okay, at this time, let's bow our heads together. Heavenly Father, we thank you for your many blessings. We thank you for the day of Pentecost. Yes, the day when you sent the Holy Spirit to be with us, to be our guide and direct us. Heavenly Father, we ask you now that our hearts would always be turned towards your leading and guiding through the Holy Spirit. And Lord, we too, as we um, celebrate today and we have our Sunday school picnic, we ask that you would go with us in the rest of this afternoon and the things that we will do together and share will all bring glory to your Son, Jesus Christ. So thank you once again for all your blessings